Hey everyone, welcome back to Navigating Netflix Originals. As always, I'm Madison, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. That's me. It is. Um, so welcome back to our podcast, and thank you all for tuning in for another episode of our nonsense. Yes. Um, this <laughs> week, we're discussing the Netflix original series, How to Become a Tyrant. Yes. Um, relatively new. I think it came out in 2021. Is that correct? Do you know? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's not super old, but it was, also wasn't like a new, new release. Um, and the concept of it, it's six episodes, each 25 to 30 minutes long. Um, and it talks about, focuses primarily on six different dictators throughout history and kind of what they did and what other dictators like them have done to both gain power and then keep power over their reign and the flaws that they, the flaws, the um, mistakes that they made that kind of ended their reign as well. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. The tone was odd. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tone. I mean, um, I didn't dislike it. I just wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I agree, yeah, because it's... um. Essentially, they're going by this sort of like playbook and every little step is like, don't worry. It, it really like acts like a how to guide, in a, which is hilarious. And so each episode is kind of broken down, not only by chapter or topic, but then like there are subsections, you know, within yeah. it, like be everywhere and mastermind games and like all these little like snippets of how to accomplish that specific goal, which is... um. I really thought it was entertaining. It was. It was entertaining. It was, um, it kind of like reminded me of some like self help series that you could <laughs> download that would like teach you how to become a tyrant. Yes. <laughs> All these six easy steps and you'll be on your way to oppressing your country forever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, which was fun. Yeah, my husband watched the first episode with me and he didn't like the tone of it at all. So he didn't watch any more of it. I'm like, that's fair. So the tone's not for everyone. And maybe with the current climate in the world, the tone comes across a little more crass than it would have, you know, before the whole situation in Ukraine happened, um, which yeah. the, the, the show came out before that happened, you know, so it wasn't taking that into account. Um but yeah, how how do you think we should dive into this? Maybe just like discuss each each point sure. that they bring to each chapter, if you will, on how to become a tyrant. <laughs> yeah, that that makes most sense, I think. Okay, so number one, if you're interested in become a ty becoming a tyrant, is you have to seize power. Yes, you do. And uh, I think that I'm trying to remember which dictator. Did you write down which dictator? Yeah. They on each one because I didn't. Yeah, so episode one focuses on Hitler as okay, the main that's... dictator, which I guess makes sense for the opening. He's the yeah. most well-known among, I guess, Stalin as well. But Right, and they mention, like, all the different dictators in most yeah. of the episodes, but, like, they tend to focus on one, probably the one who did best the step the most by the playbook, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> in, in each, and, yeah, Hitler. So Hitler, they talked about how, you know, he claimed you know became he gained power and popularity by like being a man of the people kind of like quote unquote and he had a good way of 
blaming all of the country's problems on groups that people in the country already hated. So it was very easy to be like, this is why Germany is failing in this area. And, you know, he blamed the Jews, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. And they had a really good quote on that. It was like, the key is understanding the resentment and presenting yourself as the means to overcome it. And that's really like, yeah, that's essentially how he was able to gain power, which is right insane really and i i want to talk about the point you made about like the be a man of the people yeah because after that i was like oh people are still using this like biden (laughs) because (laughs) when he was running like he was all talking about like you know his his you know working class father and stuff so well that's still what people want to hear though you know they who are being governed want to imagine that the person governing them is one of them and it's still a method whether you're a good leader or a bad leader or somewhere in between you know mediocre wise like that's still something that most people running for office or who are trying to gain power in some fashion tend to play up if it's at all a possibility in their life to to harp on that they tend to do that yeah but and i think that another like important thing when it comes to seizing power is to kind of like lay out your plan for how you're going to better the country. You know, you're going to build a better world for the country. And you don't really need to give any specifics to you know your, your flock of people on how you're going to do that. You just need to make them believe that you can't do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. As we saw, like with almost every single one of the um, dictator or the tyrants, rather mentioned, um, they're always like promising golden riches, and then inevitably famine strikes. So it's like, <laughs> which know. seems to be something that they use to their advantage in most cases as well. Yeah, true, very true. <laughs> And then, like, most of the time, I think that, like, a a thriving, like, healthy country is not one where you're going to be able to easily come in and and become a tyrant over it. You kind of have to have a country that's already in a really low place. And the example with Hitler is obviously Germany has just lost World War I. Their economy is, you know, Great Depression kind of bad. And so he kind of, there's a long ways up to go. So he's able to kind of create this image in people's mind of how he can rebuild Germany. And it's when the country is at its lowest point like that, that you're able to seize control over it. Yeah. And they even talk about a moment where like he prematurely attempted a coup, like 11 years before he actually became the dictator. Right. Um, and so it you know, goes to show that like you have to wait for the right time. I think it was like choose when to strike or something was the mini right. title there. Um, yeah. Another another element, though, um, that they talk about in this episode is like the um, the push for conformity. Um, and so, you know, not only with in Hitler's case, the swastika being put everywhere and like yeah. chiseled into the sides of buildings and like just the, you know, becoming the representation of the government there. Um, but also uh, the brown uniform and stuff. Um, and so yeah. and it, I think in the episode, they said something about like, you know, conformity is not really enough, but you have to convince people that um, what they're doing is actually not conformity. It's like just a representation of unity. Right. Um, because like, you know, inevitably, of course, the tyrant wants the uh, country to be unified um, and very patriotic so that it could, you know, stand against the outside. Right. And I think they mentioned that one of the things Hitler 
did and whether or not this was to convey a sense of unity I, I don't know for sure and probably nobody does but he always wore the like nazi uniform himself he didn't have like the suit and tie on when he went to speak he always had on the the military uniform um yeah. which really conveyed to his you know that that sense of unity to his followers as well yeah and also showed that um you know he had fought in the first world war so he was yep. you know more of that man of the people or like, you know, understood the true struggle of the, of the common German people. Well, I, and you do have to like, kind of wonder after you hear like his whole history of like almost dying in world war one and having like this epiphany, like from the heavens, so, like speaking to him that he was like chosen for to, to rule Germany like if he actually just didn't go crazy from what he saw in World War One, yeah, and I, yeah, I feel like it's a hard line with like spirituality in that sense. Like you know, is it a true yeah. message? Is it yourself? Is it insanity? Like <laughs> it's hard to tell. I mean, he went on to become a you know tyrant who was responsible for killing like twelve million people. So yeah. I he was crazy yeah yeah well and also we know that later on you know there are some people who make the push for you know the idea of being represented by god or whoever in that way so it could be that he just plain up made that up so that people would be like oh it's almost as if he were ordained by god right. to be in the position he's in right Right. Well, we know from later on in the handbook that claiming divine right to rule is one of the a good way to <laughs> maintain control. <laughs> it is. Indeed. Um, yeah, that's all the notes I had for seize power. Yeah. I, the only thing I, I didn't write a little bit about the, uh, the toothbrush, mu toothbrush mustache, which apparently was also a feature of the lower middle class um, in Europe. And then he just kind of wore it. And then now it's like, you know, it's synonymous with Hitler, so you can't yeah. you can't joke around with a with a toothbrush mustache. Otherwise, people assume you're just you know. I don't know you know. why anybody would want that. I don't either. It looks horrible. Like why why not just shave it the rest of the way off? Like, I, don't I mean, know. it's not quite as bad as a perv stash, but like it's pretty close. <laughs> I'd rather have a full on stash than that thing, but you know. <laughs> But, like, not a full mustache without a beard. That would just be bad, too. Well, I don't know. As bad as that? I don't know. I don't as know. a pencil mustache? Or pencil? Pencil mustaches are by far the worst. But yes. <laughs> any any mustache that's named after a household object, I think. Like, there's a reason it's being called that, and it shouldn't be on your face. <laughs> anyway. But, yes. But so, so seize power. Once you've seized power, the next step in the Tyrant Handbook is to crush your rival. Yes. And so um, for episode two, the dictator they focused on was Saddam Hussein. Okay. <clears throat> in this one. And so we talk all about his uh, crushing his enemies and all this stuff. Yeah. And he, he ruled for 24 years, which... I didn't realize it was that long. I feel like I my knowledge of Saddam Hussein just kind of came in at the end of things when he yeah. you know was at the very end there. Um, but before that, I didn't really have much of any knowledge because I was just a kid. You so, know what was <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to think about this too because I never took a history class in college because I didn't need to, 
and I can't, I don't remember learning about like much about the actual rule or like what Saddam Hussein was doing in, in the country. I don't, same with some of the yeah. other dictators we find like Idi Amin, I had no idea who that was like, so yeah, I, same. I mean, is that just a failure of our academics or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in college, I don't know if I had to take a history class, but I chose to take two separate classes on the Holocaust just because I was interested in it. Yeah. Um, but I, it, obviously we only learned about like Hitler was the only dictator taught in that class. Um, I think the ones I had heard of Hitler, I'd heard of Saddam Hussein and Stalin and um, Kim Jong-un. Yeah. The other two I had not heard of that they talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So the one of the the mantras that like all tyrants kind of follow or or adhere to is like kill or be killed. You know, once you once you seize power, like the country is going to enter like a very unstable time um, where you're kind of overthrowing the existing government and putting yourself in its place. So that's the time when you kind of want to make it clear that you are willing to kill anybody who even looks like they might oppose you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they give some like extreme cases too of what he did to sort of like either get back at people or instill fear at people. Like yes. at one point he talks about, or they talk about how he had, um, it was like during a open forum meeting, essentially, like he had tortured some dude into giving all these names that may or may not have actually been <laughs> people who right. wanted to like rise up against him. But, you know, like 20, 20 people were sentenced to die and several others were got quote prison time. But part of their sentence was actually like executing the people who needed right. to be executed, which is like, Jesus Christ, that's fucked. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's not even the worst no. thing that, that are talked about in this documentary that some of the other dictators did just all it's all just about creating fear and so that people won't want to step up against you like they know like if you know that well saddam hussein did this to that guy what's he gonna do to me kind of mindset like you're much less likely to have rivals come come after you and then like the other thing they talk about too is the importance of creating like a secret police yeah. who are un like dyingly loyal to you i don't know how you how you get that kind of loyalty I don't money know yeah i just say i think their thing was by loyalty so yeah i guess so you award the people who are loyal to you and kill everyone else i guess yeah basically and if you're if you're loyal you will be rich and if he even suspects that you might not be loyal you will be tortured and killed <laughs> yeah because they, they even talk about how like his own um son-in-laws son yeah he uh had them killed not only killed but then had their bodies dragged throughout the city as a statement Sorry. which is just insane and then of course there was the um the prime minister who fled so really wasn't like necessarily that big of a threat anymore, like maybe spreading negative words about Hussein, but like everyone else was aware of the fact that things were fucked, um, right. but then still had um, assassins sent yeah. to kill him. And I think like the, the point that they made with that, like the reason he did that was to show that you, there is nowhere you can run if yeah. you are 
if you are disloyal to me, I will find you no matter where on the globe you go kind of thing, and I will kill you. And he did. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much just crush your rivals, pretty much just means kill kill them all. Yep. <laughs> kill anyone. <laughs> and in whatever brutal fashion you think was best. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, that continues nicely into number three, which is Reign Through Terror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, know, you start that right with crushing your rival. <laughs> yeah. And so this was um, the episode that focused on Idi Amin, um, who is one of the Ugandan leaders. <clears throat> right. And, oh man, he was, he was evil. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, um, they all were, but yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, was he the one that they called the butcher? No. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So too. Yeah. Um, for you know reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like it, this, this episode talks about like you want to keep the masses afraid of you, but you also want to like walk the line of concealing the worst details. You don't want the people to know that you're actually like butchering people. Because they like that's too scary. You want the, the people to respect you and and also fear you, but not like be horrified by you. <laughs> yeah, and they do make a point too about how um, a, a quote that I wrote down about this was um, even tyrannical societies have guardrails known as laws. You have to knock them down. So it talks about a lot about how like you know even the, in addition to like hiding your true face from the people. There's a, you know, you kind of have to play the game for a little bit until you have the chance yourself to like change the laws. Like right. you two are restrained in like what you can actually do outwardly. Um, but of course, once you're like supreme ruler, you pretty much do whatever right. the fuck you want. But yeah, and I think this is probably the episode where they talk about how you have to like twist the law to your advantage and like work on weakening any political institution that would stop your continued rise to power. And, you know, that's one thing that you just kind of do kind of like an example uh, modern day would be Putin, who has changed the laws in Russia to allow him to continue running for presidency each year. You know, we're kind of seeing his succession towards a tyrant um, more so this year than in the past. Um, But like, that's the modern day example of like how tyrants weaken political institutions that would otherwise stop them from gaining complete control. Yeah, exactly. Um. And like the, this episode also talked about like more more specifically about how torturing people is like a very effective method to keep people from speaking out um, because like it, and and also like to create a large sense of distrust among the people because if yeah. the people don't know who they can trust, it's really hard to mount any kind of resistance against the regime. True. Yeah, and they even talked about like the fact that the the place where people would be tortured was like so locally centered in like the big city that like right. people at the French embassy could hear the screams, right. you know, on a daily basis, which is just not really like abiding by their, you know, the first point of concealing your brutality, but um, at least, you know, people are aware of what's going on. 
you don't want to conceal it completely because you right. want those rumors going out, you know, to keep a good amount of fear among people as well. True. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was um, interesting to learn about the fact that as in uh, Germany under Hitler, Idi Amin also focused on an ethnic minority in the country to like turn the general populace against. And that would be like the Asian Ugandans who were largely in charge of the commerce and stuff. And so that they became sort of the scapegoat as to why like Uganda wasn't the paradise that it could be. Um, and I think the best part of that is like after, you know, they were forcefully expelled and they tried to like just pass all of the property and like businesses over to Ugandans, it just collapsed yeah. <laughs> because um, no one knew what to do. So it's so ridiculous. I don't understand how he thought that would be like a good plan. Like just take all of these businesses away from people who have been working at them for generations and give them the people who have no business experience and expect things to thrive. It didn't work. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Um. Yeah, but you know, if all else fails, you know, the the best thing you can do to to unite a divided people is to start a war with another country. <laughs> Which is exactly what he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> and ultimately failed, but Yes, he failed at that too. He lost that war pretty bad. <laughs> is this the one where they said that like the soldiers had only ever fought against um unarmed people? And so when they act it was it Uganda that sure. tried to invade Tanzania. I can't remember. But I think it was episode. <clears throat> either way. But yeah, so it just shows that uh, when you try to actually start start involving the outside world, things can become very difficult for you. Which is learned yeah. in a number of these episodes from by the <laughs> the world well, leader. Right, like is all the first five of them show and talk about tyrants who eventually like their reigns ended um whereas the last one it talks about north korea where it's a third generation tyrant there and it's the really the first example of that that we have in history so other than like not counting kings and queens right modern history yeah Right, yeah, modern history kind of tyrants. Because, I mean, what's really the difference between, like, a modern-day tyrant and an old-fashioned king? I feel like Probably it's just a title that's different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure, like, what the governance was like under the old-fashioned kings, but... I think, yeah. like, most of them had complete control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, But, yeah. Uh, the next step in the handbook is to control the truth, which yes. basically just means lie. <gasps> yep. Lie, rewrite history. Yes. Control the media. Yes. Definitely um, control the media. This one, what was the name of the, the, it was Stalin, right? Yeah, this one's Stalin. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was Stalin. Um, and he, it talks about how he like literally rewrote history books mostly about his life um, so that people would be learning like the narrative that he wanted them to learn from a young age, um, which kind of, you know, indoctrinating the youth into, into the way he wanted everybody to be thinking, um, which is horrifying. But with also still revering um, Lenin because he was so beloved as the previous person for the people. (laughs) Yes. He was, 
basically a dictator too though right i believe so yeah it wasn't you know quite the dictator that stalin was but yeah <laughs> but in addition to rewriting history um he also had a mass censoring campaign so like a little re- pretty much like nothing was <laughs> available and they go f- for some reason they talk a lot about sherlock holmes not being available but you yeah. can't learn about Sherlock Holmes in Russia. Darn it. Probably yes. can't still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps not. I mean, I feel like we're seeing a, a continuation of Stalin with Putin. Today's you know media with him con- controlling everything that the Russians are currently hearing yeah. and cutting off their access to any kind of outside information about what's happening in Ukraine right now. Um I don't want to talk too much about that because I'll rant about it the entire episode. Yeah, yeah. Although they do talk about also how, you know, the effects on Ukraine during the USSR and yeah. um, how, you know, once again, there was this attempt at a sort of like agricultural reform and it just bombed. And so it just had mass starvation of people. And to the point like that people turned to cannibalism. Yeah. And he of course covered that up in russia didn't let anybody know well in the soviet union and didn't let anybody know that that was happening only one like they talk about the one reporter duranti i think his name is and who i i can't remember his nationality but it wasn't russian or soviet or whatever but um obviously i mean maybe out of fear but maybe also out of apathy like saw the truth of what was happening in ukraine and never spoke out against it like he never shared it he just kind of like talked about how great the ussr was right which is pretty insane and like one of the other interesting things about stalin's reign too is the way that he was able and maybe this was kind of just a continuation of how the public viewed lenin before him but like they were able him stalin and lenin together were able to not get rid of religion, but kind of make the regime a form of religion yeah. to the, like the point where people were worshiping Lenin and worshiping Stalin almost like they were gods in in a sense, and like that kind of worship was what was uniting the people in a lot of ways. Yeah, and um, apparently people still revere Stalin as some sort of like godly figure. It seems, yeah, like. This is something that still kind of holds true today. <clears throat> yeah. I wonder if people uh-huh. will feel the same about Putin when he dies. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and when, one of the things that, like, Stalin was noted for having said, probably not verbatim, but, like, his kind of ideology was that if you kill 100 people and five of them were actually enemies to the regime, that's not a bad ratio. So he was clearly fine with just killing tons of innocent people with, like, the hopes that he would actually kill a couple of people who might have wanted to speak out against him. Which is, like, always insane, because, like, I understand all these tactics that sort of suppress the population and stuff, but it's always true that, like, regardless of how large their military is, your population is always going to outweigh Yes. The amount of people who are supporting the dictatorship. So I feel like, I don't know, it's so interesting that like really with just the turn of a switch, there could be a, a huge revolution that just like wipes out that government. And yet they're yeah. able to maintain control. Well, I think it's a lot of it is 
Okay. All this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, all the stuff that we've been talking about, you know, about lying and and the fear of speaking out against it and you know it's just yeah yeah it's hard to imagine but yet we're watching it happen in the world (laughs) yeah that's Um, true but yeah so next step (laughs) is to create a new society um who was the dictator for this one it was Muammar Gaddafi. Okay, Gaddafi. Of yes. Libya. Um, who reigned for 42 years, which is yeah, see, a long quite time. A long. And I think a big part of that was, you know, he changed he, he changed the society, you know, from, from what it was before he started, you know, into what it became afterwards. Um, yeah. I, I didn't mean, write much. I'm actually struggling to remember what. Oh, happened. really? So this this was one that um, kind of even more so than Stalin. So you know they made a point of saying that Stalin uh, rewrote history, but um, Gaddafi did so even more to the point where um, literally in the schools they were not allowed to learn anything before Gaddafi took over. So like history nope. began at his beginning of rule, um, and then. His, you know, he was even more so strict on the censorship and like closing off of the society because, you know, because it's creating a new society. Um, but yeah. like, you know, he wouldn't in schools, you were no longer allowed to learn foreign languages. You couldn't learn even geography. Um, something as, you know, silly as like the metric system um, couldn't be learned because it was too connected to the outside world. So like really it was you know, shifting more towards what we see in North Korea was just like the society right. that's so completely closed off. Um, complete isolation. Yeah, just complete isolation. And like, you know, of course, things like, um, at least in the early years of his reign, um, or most of it, you know, free speech is no longer allowed. Um, you can't, there's no rights to assembly, there's no alcohol and adultery, like all everything imaginable. Is outlawed. Is, is outlawed yeah. yeah except for probably revering Gaddafi. yeah he was he the one that had the little green book did he do you know what i'm talking about the little green book like they all they had a book that was like all about the the dictator was it was it Gaddafi or was it one of the other ones i can't remember oh, i don't remember who it was. <laughs> no, never mind either way <laughs> But one of the things I know they talked about that he like did in this um, when he was trying to like re- or recreating a new society was to like take on large projects like yes. building statues and and walls kind of thing you know like um, like he didn't build a wall but I'm thinking of like the wall the in Great China. Wall of China yeah. <laughs> Uh, or build, building large infrastructure kind of things where you can say to the people, you know, we're investing all of you, this money into creating this for you kind of thing and to have these big projects ongoing that you can talk about um, was one of the one of the ways to keep the people happy. Yeah, and they well, did their happy, quote. Um, yeah, they, they talked about specifically about his project that took three decades to do, which was like the man-made river to to spread water and allow like basically more fertile soil to, to exist, which right. seems like a good project, but they made a point of being like, it's probably going to be dried out like 
in 10 right. years or something, but, um, you know, so, yeah, you know, attempting to do something that's actually good for his society. Right. They must have like tapped some massive underground like reservoir of water because it's not coming from a lake and they didn't divert another river. Yeah. So they must have found like some massive well of water and then just created a river for it so that it could like flow down, you know, to where the farmlands were, which like like they said, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to last forever because the this once the source of water is dried up, the river will also dry up. Yeah, um, that's true. And you know the other important thing when you're creating a new society is to make sure that all women are kept very oppressed. You don't want any women speaking out against you. Yeah, although it's interesting in this because they make a point of being like it wasn't like at least on the um from the outside it wasn't like complete oppression because you know he had like his elite force of women fighters and yeah. he he tried to like make it seem as though women have like a um you know actually can have a status in this society uh minus all of the what did they call them virgins of the revolution or whatever that he just like snatched up and sexually assaulted forever yeah but you know that's kind of what a large portion of those fighters were, you know, it was just yeah. women who were kind of forced into it and they weren't actually there of their own free will at all. <laughs> but yeah. he wanted, mostly he wanted international countries to think that women were not being oppressed there. He, he wanted to travel with them as, you know, fighters or warriors, part of the army, uh, appearing that way anyways from the outside. But that's really not what was happening. Yeah. And the um, this the section of the episode that's on um, women is introduced by a, like a, an interesting story that did not go the way I thought it would go. <laughs> like it's the point where they're talking about how this thirty um, year old engineer who had been studying in the U.S. I think came. His name is Al Sadek Hamed Al Shuwaidi, and he uh, was essentially like publicly executed or had planned to be publicly executed to the point where they like brought you know it was a special day for school where all the children were brought to watch um and then like i don't think they knew it was going to be an execution oh they didn't yeah no no um but they get there and lo and behold this guy's be this guy's being executed and um he doesn't actually die and then this woman comes out of the crowd and the way they, they presented it i assumed that she was coming out of the crowd to like maybe make a plea to be like, you know, clearly God doesn't want him to die or, you know, something like that. But instead she just yanks on him to break his neck. I was like, well, this took a fucking turn. Jesus. (laughs) It wasn't what I was expecting either. (laughs) I think they knew what they were doing when they presented that. Yeah. It it was intentionally presented like where you would be shocked by what actually happens. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, they succeeded because good God. (sighs) I mean, I'm sure that guy, like, it was basically a botched hanging where he didn't quite die. So he probably would have just hung there until he suffocated to death. So she probably did him a favor in the long yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. True. But um, towards the end of the episode, we get the, uh, one of the points that's actually, like, the downfall of Gaddafi, which is uh, stick to your guns. So if something's working for you, you have to keep at it. Whereas, like, after Gaddafi at all um, blew up this nightclub that had like 500 people in it, I think, like most of which were U.S. soldiers. 
um, there was like a swift retaliation with bombings and stuff. Um, and so then he started like, you know, easing up on his society, like letting people openly speak about things. He stopped, you know, started allowing people to assemble, basically like became very quote soft in the way that he was ruling and ultimately um, people hunted and killed him. So yeah. if you're going to be a dictator or a tyrant, you uh, can't do that. Right. <laughs> can't like just give up halfway through you have to see it to the end <laughs> yeah which i mean surely it was nearly his end anyway because like he ruled for four well, i guess he would have only been like 60 something probably right but if you if you want to truly rule forever you have to have a succession plan yes you do like the kims yes yes like north korea which i didn't realize i, th- I was for some reason i thought that the current Kim Jong-un, who is currently ruling, and North Korea was the second generation of rulers. I didn't realize it was actually three generations. So uh, I learned yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this, this the last episode kind of talks about um, what he and his, his father and his grandfather have done to sort of... I mean, it's, it's basically a modern day monarchy you know the secession only goes you know from father to son kind of thing and they have claimed you know that they have the divine right to rule the country and they have so completely isolated the people of north korea that they don't know anything else their tv gets one channel and it's you know the channel that kim jong as they can be watching kind of thing. They are not allowed to leave the country unless you get like explicit permission from the government to do so. And like they, the narrative that he wants the people to know that's, that's the only thing they know there. They don't have access to the internet where they can just Google things the way we can. It's just, I can't even imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this is like, you know, Instead of going by the, you know, be a man of the people sort of thing, you know, they decided to go in a completely opposite direction by just going out. And, um, you know, it makes a point of saying that Kim Jong-il, like, recreated the story of his birth. Right. And, like, you know, talked about how he was able to, like, walk at three weeks and do all of these, like, ridiculous oh, I... feats of strength or whatever. Yeah. And it's, like, it's so ridiculous. Like, they really, you know... Which I guess, like, if you want to be, like, you know, tied to divinity, you have to be better than, but... Yeah, you have to be better than the average person in order to be divine. And I think, like, if you this, from the day you're born, if this is the only narrative you're ever given, like, you probably would believe it. You know, for the most part, I'm sure there are people who doubt it, but if you express that at all, you're arrested. (laughs) Right, yeah. That's true. Uh. But yeah, I thought it was interesting going through this, um, like how they developed their propaganda sort of stuff yeah. and how, um, you know, this was really like Kim Jong-il's, the second guy's um, claim to being, you know, receiving the succession of the throne is like he ste- stepped up and took over this and like ended up, you know, making his father proud or whatever. But it's interesting just to see like, you know, he essentially became like a film director and writer, a screenwriter, <laughs> and um, was trying to like make all of these ridiculous films that were like mostly flops, um, until they had um, uh, kidnapped and abducted um, like a very famous South Korean actress and her husband. 
and just like kept them in prison for like four years apart from each other until like the woman eventually just said yes i'll i'll act in your movies yeah which yeah that's like one of the things that they mentioned that he is known like to have done multiple times is just to like kidnap anybody that you want from whether it's from your country or from someplace else you know if you can if you want them just take them kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah because they also talk about having kidnapped um, japanese citizens from the beach just so right. that they could teach their um soldiers japanese right exactly Which and is... then like the the ultimate thing that kind of like north korea moves towards mostly with its current dictator kim jong-un is like becoming a nuclear nation which is like the biggest way as a tyrant that you can dissuade foreigners from invading your country and ruining your reign in that way is if you have nuclear weapons um which north korea now does correct they don't have a lot of them if you compare it to like places like Russia and the United States, but they certainly have enough that you don't want them to be shooting them off anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so it's got to be. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you've got to think that the people who invented nuclear weapons and stuff are, they must be rolling in their graves. Just kind of like. <laughs> well, I feel like the invention of sort of the nuclear weapon was like with the atomic bomb, which yeah. was world war two. And, like, that, like, came about from just scientific experiments, like, on trying to find out whether or not they could, once they discovered the atom as a scientist, they wanted to know if you could split the atom, was there anything inside of it kind of thing. And they realized that when, the way you can split an atom, it releases, like, such an enormous amount of energy when you split an atom that if you do it to enough of them at the same time, you know, you can create this massive explosion um, which is, you know, what we saw at the end of World War II in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. And we haven't really used anything since then, but we have certainly made nuclear weapons that were far worse than that since then. Yeah. <clears throat> so but, here's the hoping we never see what they look like. Yeah, let's hope not. Although, you know, yeah, these days, hard to say if that's going to be <laughs> a realistic wish for the future. I don't know. Well, you know, we won't get too much into that. TBD. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that to season two when um, when Putin's the first episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, that's that's how you can become a tyrant if you're interested. I think that possibly current political events might dissuade you from wanting to go that route. <laughs> yeah. But. If you're interested in in ruling forever, that's how it has been done throughout history. There you go. But yeah, so that's uh, how to how to be a tyrant, how to become a tyrant, how to become one, <laughs> and main, remain one. <laughs> yes, yes, or forever. how to lose your tyrancy, if that's what they call it. But um, yeah. but yeah, so um, <laughs> a very interesting uh, documentary style thing. Agreed that like the tone is probably not for everyone. Um, although they like they take things seriously, like when they talk about you know people who are like specific people who are attacked or dismembered or whatever. Like it's not a joke, but right. the way that the entire show is presented is very much yeah like a how to thing. So not for everyone, yeah. maybe, but. Right still interesting and it's also very short so it is yeah and it's it's informative you know yeah. even though the song is a little bit 
I think I think Subi called it glib. <laughs> oh yeah, glib. Um, it does. You do learn a lot in it, and I think that, especially with what's happening in the world today, the more we can learn about how people have become tyrants throughout history and how they have been stopped, you know, the better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Kind of nip things in the bud early. And before they get worse. Yeah. But yeah. So. But yeah. If you, on, that happy on that happy note, if you want to let us know what you thought of how to become a tyrant or anything else, you can reach out to us on Twitter at NNO Podcast. Or you can send us an email to navigatingnetflixoriginals at gmail.com. And as always, feel free to send us any suggestions of future shows or movies you would like to hear us discuss. Indeed. But yeah, so thanks again. And until next time. Bye. Bye.